0: Welcome to another episode of Small Stocks, Big Money, our weekly podcast where we talk about emerging growth small cap companies. Today, we have Paul Mann, CEO of ASP Isotopes, which trades on the NASDAQ under the ticker symbol ASPI. Paul, welcome. Thanks for having me, Craig. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Paul, before we jump into ASP Isotopes, can you share with us a bit about your upbringing and how it shaped you into the leader you are today?
1: Yeah, so I I grew up actually in North London, England, um, and I was always fascinated by science and maths and engineering. So I studied natural sciences and chemical engineering at Cambridge, and after that I kind of moved into science uh, R and D science before you know finally getting into finance. And you know I spent best part of eleven years at Morgan Stanley, always you know as a sales and analyst, always researching into chemicals and in healthcare companies, and then. You know, I moved into into the buy side. So I spent a long time at Soros and Highbridge. Again, always investing in science, chemistry, healthcare. You know, science and healthcare and chemicals kind of really interest me. It's what I understand, and um, it's what I enjoy doing.
0: For listeners new to your story, Paul, could you give us an overview of ASP Isotopes and its mission?
1: Yeah, so ASB Isotopes is a company we founded about two years ago, and it's based on some technology that South Africans developed, you know, during the apartheid years. And they had to, you know, be self-sufficient; they couldn't import materials from elsewhere in the world. And so they learned how to enrich isotopes to make nuclear fuels, both nuclear weapons and nuclear power reactors. You know, when apartheid happened uh, or changed, uh, the, you know, South Africa registered the nuclear program and. Our scientists were looking for, for work. And so they started uh, looking at methods to enrich stable isotopes of so things like healthcare and technology. So we discovered this about two years ago. They'd run out of money, so we acquired them out of, out of bankruptcy, out of business rescue. And we spent the last two years developing these technologies into two commercial plants which will start producing free cash flow next year. And you know, these isotopes will enable many technologies such as quantum computing artificial intelligence, advanced diagnostics and cancer treatments, and green energy. So it's a really exciting industry to be involved in, and you know we're keen to become a major player in this industry
0: over the next several years. You've had a diverse career, Paul, starting as a research scientist at Procter & Gamble, then moving into finance, including time at Soros Fund Management and Morgan Stanley. How have these experiences shaped your leadership style and vision for ASP Isotopes?
1: Yeah, over the last 20 years, I've seen a number of successful companies and a number of kind of companies that haven't been so successful. And so I think, you know, companies that are successful typically have leadership technology positions, uh, huge barriers to entry, and a management team capable of getting the product, the technology to market. And so, you know, I kind of saw this company two years ago and figured we had all those components in place. And that's kind of what gets me excited about the company. And that's what I turn up to work at each day is to try and drive our scientists to innovate and improve, make our processes better, to get cheaper, better isotopes for the world.
0: Speaking of innovation, Paul, the innovative technology that ASP Isotopes utilizes, as you mentioned, was developed in South Africa during the apartheid era. Could you explain how the technology actually works and why it is unique? Yeah, so when you look
1: at a traditional isotope enrichment facility, that's used by say the Russian government or the Chinese or the UK to enrich uranium. They have a centrifuge, which is basically a tube that spins round very quickly. And in spinning the tube round quickly, you create almost a vortex inside the tube. The heavier mass isotopes move to the outside The lighter mass wants to stay on the inside. And that's how traditional isotope enrichers have enriched isotopes. Our process is different. We have a stationary wall tube. So our tube doesn't move. And all we do is we compress the gas and we spin the gas inside a stationary tube. And actually, the gas is approaching the speed of sound in the middle of the tube. And again, by creating this vortex inside a stationary tube and using certain flow directors and valves and and other kind of proprietary pieces of equipment, we can separate the large and the light isotopes from each other. You know, our process benefits and that it doesn't have many moving components, just the compressor. Uh, they're much cheaper to build, much faster to build. You know, I think our return on capital employed is substantially higher than that of a traditional centrifuge, which historically have cost billions of dollars to build.
0: Now let's back up for just a moment, Paul. Let's delve into the importance of isotopes like molybdenum 100 and carbon-14, especially as regards the healthcare and chemicals industries.
1: Yeah, so let's take carbon-14 first. So carbon-14 is used in the development of new drugs. Historically, the entire world supply of carbon-14 came from Russia. None of it's available right now, hasn't been available for over a year. So our carbon-14 plant, which will start up later this year, is capable of enriching the entire world's demand of carbon-14. And we make a very good gross profit on carbon-14. Molybdenum-100 is a much bigger opportunity. Right now, molybdenum-99 and technicium-99 are kind of the backbone of nuclear medicine or nuclear diagnostics. Nine out of 10 of the world's reactors that produce molybdenum-99 are expected to shut down in the next 10 years. And that leaves a huge hole in the market. This is over a $4 billion market. We'd like to think our oh, molybdenum 100 can take a share of this market. Your yeah, molybdenum 100 benefits over molybdenum 99 in that it doesn't undergo radioactive decay. It's shelf stable. You can ship it in a normal envelope through normal mail. Keep, it, keep an inventory on the shelf and use it when you need it. So a number of advantages that we feel will become very relevant over the next several years.
0: You recently completed the cold commissioning of your first manufacturing plant in South Africa. What upcoming milestones can investors now expect with this important step now completed?
1: Well, I mean, you know, we've got three contracts now and two plants in 2024. You know, I'd like to think we can sign some more contracts and build some more plants. So we're talking to a number of governments and companies who need more isotopes, who need more plants. and. I'd like to think we sign a couple more of those contracts in the next, say, 12 months that allow us to build additional plants in a location with cheap green energy, such as Iceland.
0: ASP Isotopes has secured various supply agreements, Paul, including that 25-year agreement with the Beijing Research Institute of Chemical Engineering and Metallurgy. Could you tell us more about these partnerships and your strategy to pursue take-or-pay style off-take agreements with customers?
1: Yeah, so the Brightchem deal is a variable type of transaction. So they can take up to $27 million of product a year for 25 years. You know, the other two contracts we've signed are are clear take-or-pay agreements. They're paying as money whether they take the product or not. We expect more of those types of contracts in the future. One is with a Canadian customer, and that contract's backed by a bank letter of guarantee. And the second is with a a reputable U.S. customer who is going to make a prepayment on their uh, product. So, they're the three contracts you've signed. We expect to sign more, and we're working hard to sign more.
0: Paul, recently you were at that World Nuclear Conference in London. There you found that many governments want to use more nuclear energy have you found that this is an end market that ASP isotopes can get into?
1: Yeah, we'd certainly like to. We think our technology is applicable to enriching uranium. You know, uranium is a very different isotope to enrich versus something like Silicon 28 or Molybdenum 100. The regulatory and licensing processes are, are extremely different. But you know, when you look at the, the future of the world, you know, if we're going to meet 2050 climate goals, the world needs more nuclear. Over the next 30 years, we need to double the amount of electricity we produce as a world without increasing carbon emissions. That's really challenging, and nuclear is likely one of the only ways that will help us us get there. The future nuclear reactors, in our view, are small modular reactors. Companies like TerraPower, Oklo, X-Energy are building nuclear reactors that are substantially cheaper and much faster to build versus the large reactors that were built historically. The problem for these reactors, is they all require a fuel called HALU. And right now, there, there is no supplier of HALU in the Western world. We'd like to think we could be there. And uh, as I say, we're talking to a number of governments and companies about potentially trying to participate
0: in this market. Final question, Paul. What message would you like to send to your stakeholders and potential investors listening to this podcast today?
1: Well, first of all, I'd like to thank their support over the last two years. I think we're right at an inflection point for the company. Uh, you know, we're about to start bringing in revenues from the three contracts we've signed. You know, we have a huge backlog of interest from companies and, and governments and need more isotopes. And I think over the next 12 years, we'll start to see, you know, both cash flow coming into the company, as well as us trying to deploy that cash flow and with customers committed to new plants. So we're at a really exciting point in the company's life cycle. and We're working hard to make sure we turn this into a great company and
0: generate substantial returns for our shareholders. Paul, it's always a great pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Craig. That was great. Tune in next week for another episode featuring an exciting emerging growth company like ASP Isotopes.
1: Some of the companies featured on this episode are Red Chip client companies, and we may own stock in these companies. So please always read our disclosures at redchip.com.